Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. Well, Wednesday night we're doing a Bible study, and we're going through the book of Philippians. And tonight we're going to go through Philippians chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. So it begins with a citizen of heaven. A citizen of heaven. Remember, Paul's in jail. He's a Roman citizen. And he is writing to this church that he cares about and tries to encourage them and to help them. Here's what he says in the first part of verse 27. Above all, the priority, you must live as citizens of heaven. I am a citizen of the United States of America, but I'm a citizen of heaven. And heaven demands more of me than the United States does. And I live differently because of that. Now, you see, if you were to go overseas and go to a place where they drive on the other side of the road and you want to drive, you don't get to go over there and go, well, in the United States, we drive this way, so I'm going to drive like this. You don't get to do that. Well, you can. You won't be on the road long, but you can. And so you have to obey their rules, don't you? And they have certain opinions of Americans. You know where a lot of them get their opinions of you and I from when you go overseas? A lot of them get them from the movies. Oh, that makes us look good, doesn't it? And so you and I want to show them something different, don't we? Well, here I am in the United States. I follow its rules. But you know a lot of people have a lot of weird ideas about what Christians are like, don't they? I want to show them something different. The real deal. And so above all, you understand, you are a citizen of heaven, live like it. Live like it. Hebrews chapter 13, this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And so that's how he starts. He goes, look, you're a citizen of heaven. Don't get caught up in all the junk down here. Then secondly, it's the con- conduct that the good news requires. Okay, you're this citizen, but there's a certain way of acting that you have to embrace in your life. Verse 27 still, you're a citizen of heaven, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ, the gospel, the Bible. So you live in a manner that lines up with God's Word. Now, you've heard me say it often. I say it a lot. Your belief needs to line up with your behavior. Your behavior, I believe this, then act like it. And if you don't act like it, you really don't believe it. My lifestyle has to represent Christ. And so, I am living as a result of what God's Word says, and God's Word determines how I live. Not me, not other people, but what does the good news say about that? I will live my life according to the good news that I know, not the bad news that I hear on a regular basis. See, a lot of people hear the bad news and, oh, wring their hands and think, oh, that's horrible. We got good news. And the good news is better than the bad news. And the good news is more powerful than the bad news. And so he says, look, you're a citizen here, and here's what needs to happen. You need to conduct your life in a manner that's worthy of this good news. 
because it is great news. You see, as a Christian, obedience is never optional. My life lines up with what the Bible teaches and what it says. I don't just talk. I don't just say, oh, I believe this and I know this. know this. You know, there's a lot of people who know a lot about the Bible, but there aren't as many people who are living according to what they say they know. And so he gets them and he says, look, you conduct yourself in this way. And this is what I need you to do. You're a citizen of heaven, but you conduct yourself in a way that's worthy of the good news about Christ. And then he talks about the consistency that this good news demands. He begins to get into, here's what you're going to have to do. Here's how this works. Here's what's going to operate. So he says, here you are. You're a citizen of this. The citizen, the governing, the, the Magna Carta, if you will, the constitution of heaven is God's word, the good news. You live according to that. And in verse 27, the last part of it, then you do that, whether I come and see you again or only hear about you. <laughs> in other words, whenever I see you next, whether I hear about you or see you, your behavior will be the same. Now, I remember when I was a kid and my mom and dad, I, you know, I don't know that I ever remember having a babysitter. That's a shock, isn't it? I don't think my mom and dad, uh, you know, trusted anybody. I don't think they trusted me. Uh, you know, it was it. But every once in a while, they would leave as I got older and said, now look, while you're gone, while we're not here and you're here, we expect you to act like this. You act just as if we were here in the house. Yeah, you know how that went, don't you? When are you going to be back? And all the reason I want to know that was how long do I have to get cleaned up and get back so that you think I did all of that? And so he's saying, look, I want you to live the same whether I hear about you, whether I see you, everybody will be the same. That you and I live the same whether we're at home or at work. Whether we're at church or whether we're with our neighbors. Whether we're with friends or whether we're all alone. Whether we're with Christians or whether we're with non-Christians. The behavior doesn't change. We are the same all the time. Now, there is a word that describes that. That word is called integrity. A person of integrity is consistent in their behavior. It's not one time this and one time this. They're the same no matter where they are. And so you and I are called to be the same person no matter where we are. We're citizens of heaven. The good news demands that we live our lives according to it. That way, no matter where you see me or how you see me, I will be living my life the same because there is a consistency that's demanded. One of the hardest things to be is an inconsistent Christian. You're going to be frustrated a lot. One of the hardest things for other people to see is an inconsistent Christian. They see you one time, you're, oh, wow, that person's really great. They see you another place, another time, act in another way. And suddenly there's confusion, isn't there? Who's the real you? Which one's there? 
So Paul says, look, I want you to know, you're, you're not uh, of this world. You're a citizen of heaven. You live your life according to what God's word, the good news says. And that way, no matter where I see you or no matter what I hear about you, it will be the same all the time. And so that's what he's talking about. Now, he begins to put that in perspective. In these next few verses, he begins to kind of deal a little bit more with that subject. That's what he's trying to get across. And so he talks about under that how we stand together. We stand together. He says, look, I see you. When you're acting like this, here's what's going to happen. You'll be standing together. He says, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Here's the saying, especially in the church. United we stand, divided we fall. We need each other. In fact, this is me, okay? I kind of believe it's almost impossible for you to be the Christian God wants you to be by yourself. You need to be around other people. Other people help you grow up. Other people keep you in a place you need to be. Other people help correct you. Other people hopefully will be honest with you. And so we stand together, you and I as one. He says, when I hear about you, here's how you're going to live. That way when it happens, I will know that you're standing together. One of the worst things in the world is a divided church. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Now, how many of you understand that if you're going to live in harmony with other people, you don't always get your way? Right, you know. And if you're married, you never get your way. Just kidding, just kidding, okay? But you're willing to give to walk together. You don't have to have it the way you want it to be. You're willing to accept others. You're willing to give. You don't have to demand. Well, I want it like this, and I think this is half the way. And people like that are very selfish people, aren't they? So he says, look, I want you to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather be of one mind united in thought and purpose. How can we be united? It's very simple. We are going to live our lives according to the good news. We serve the same God. We have the same Bible. We have the same purpose. We have the same spirit. And he says, I want you to stand together. I want you to know that. Then he says, I'll also, I want you to strive together. I want you to strive together. Again, this is, this is the end of verse 27. All these thoughts are just out of that one verse. It says, fighting together. Now, not fighting each other. Fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. We fight for the truth with our words and our actions. It's a battle. It's a battle to live a godly life. It's not simple. It's not natural. We have this carnal nature that constantly goes against it, don't we? 
And so together, he says, fighting together. Again, you need each other. Ephesians chapter 4, he writes this, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, building yourselves, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all, in all, living through all. So he says, look, I want you to to work together. I want you to stand together as you continue to go forward in God. I want you to strive and fight together. Fight for truth because you you and I understand in this world that we live in, it is a battle for us to maintain the truth. The truth is under attack all the time. And so he goes on then. He says, we are saved together. We're saved together. Verse 28, don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Now, who are your enemies? Your enemies are the people who don't believe in God. Your enemies are the people who go against God's word. Don't let them intimidate you. This will be a sign to them that they're going to be destroyed, but that you're going to be saved even by God himself. We're going to fight together. We're going to go together because we're going forward with one thought and one thing. God is going to save us. Now notice, you're going to be saved. Salvation is a pre-throng attack. When I was a child, I was saved. I was saved at the age of nine. Today, I am saved. In the future, I'm going to be saved. That salvation works with us all the way through. But one day, it will be fulfilled forever. Forever. 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But to those who are being saved, we know it's the very power of God. Very power of God. So he really gives them that push, you know, be together, stand together, fight together. You're going to be saved together. It's going to be great. And then he kind of talks about how we suffer together. We suffer together. Now, I don't care for the wordage of this verse. I don't always understand it. Here's what he says. You have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ but also the privilege of suffering for him. I don't know about you, I just don't view suffering as a privilege. You know what I'm saying? He talks about it, you know, we're suffering. Now, we don't suffer like Paul did. We don't suffer like people in other countries. We're not beaten, we're not locked up, but we are criticized for what we believe. We are made fun of for what we believe. We are called hateful because we don't accept every type of behavior. We love people, but people are sinners. And there are certain things that people do that we don't agree with and don't condone. And when we take a stand for that, well, that's hateful. No, that's being honest and upholding the good news, the gospel. And so there is an element of suffering that, you know, well, 
but pastor, I thought suffering was a punishment thing. Sometimes it is. Sometimes I suffer because I've made some horrible choices. Sometimes I suffer because someone else made some horrible choices. Sometimes suffering is because of that. But sometimes it is a privilege to suffer for God. Because God takes suffering and brings good out of it. God takes the difficulties of life that we go through, the hardships that we find ourselves in, the pain, the confusing times, the moments that we're having to endure criticism, going through unjust treatment, the times that we're taking to stand for God and it's costing us something. God takes those times and he does good things out of them and he begins to work in our lives and he begins to take what is going on and he uses it for his glory and his good. Well, you know what? I I don't know that I can really agree with the fact that suffering's good. Well, then you have to line your life up with the good news. Because the good news says that your suffering for Christ is a part of your walk with God. Now, I would like to tell you that once you accept Jesus Christ in your life, your life will be perfect from there on out. And you will have no more problems. And everything will be wonderful. And the life will be so easy. And it'll just be great. Oh, why don't you come to Jesus? Well, yeah, I'll sign up for that. But no, I have to be honest. If you come to Christ, in essence, life gets a little harder. Because you've got to live by a higher standard, don't you? You don't just get to give in to your nature. You don't get to just do whatever you want. You don't get to form your own opinions and do your own thing. And Well, this is what I think, and this is what I believe, and this is how I think it should be and everything else. And we're good at doing that, aren't we? Rather than, hold it, what I believe and what I think is lined up with what God's Word says and how it operates. And when I live according to that Word, that means that every day I have to say no to me and yes to God. And that's hard. Because I don't like being told no. None of us do. And so we come to that place where we say, okay, I'll live for God. And I know that sometimes I'm going to be criticized. Sometimes I'm not going to be invited to things that other people are because they just don't want me around. Okay. So be it. I, Pastor, come on. How in the world can good come out of bad? Let me show you the greatest illustration of this in the world. Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know what that is, don't you? We all have it. We all have some issues that are harder than others, don't we? 
Let us run with endurance the race that God's put in front of us. Let us keep going. Let us not quit. Let us not give up. Let us keep going forward. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. In other words, we come to faith through Jesus Christ. He initiates it. He perfects it through suffering, through hardships, through difficulties, through his word. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. None of us have suffered like that. That was hard. But now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You look beyond your present circumstances and you know that one day it will be worth it all. That our citizenship is in heaven. We live for there. We know we're going there. We're going to be saved. And no matter what we go through here in this planet, it will be so insignificant compared with the glory that will be ours later. He, he looked beyond the present to see the future. And there's joy in that. And then Paul wraps this up. We struggle together. It's work. Now, we don't want to work. We all want to retire. Because God knows when you retire, you do nothing anymore, do you? Unless you talk to the people who've retired, and they say they're busier than they were before. But he said, we struggle together. Notice what he says in verse 30. We are in this struggle together. We're in this walk, this journey together. You are not alone. You do not have to do this by yourself. You have seen my struggle in the past, and you know that I'm still in the midst of it together. It's always a little easier when you know it's not just you. Although sometimes we think, oh, what I'm going through is so hard. Nobody's ever been through what I've been through. You just don't understand how bad this is and how hard this is. And you just don't know and you just don't understand. That's just not true. Because the Bible tells us there's nothing that happens to any of us but what isn't common to all of us. And so he says, look, you're in this struggle together. Good news. Because one day we're going to go home. One day, we get to be in a place forever where all the sickness, the sorrow, the suffering is over with. And so that Hebrews passage I read just a moment ago, here's verse three in it. Think of all the hostility he, Jesus, endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. It hasn't killed you yet. They crucified him, but you and I are still alive. So Paul writes to these folks and says, look, folks, you're a citizen of heaven. And you live your life according to the good news, God's word. And that way, no matter when I know of you or hear of you or see you or hear about you, you'll be the same because we're all in this together. So the great news is this. 
you are not alone. You are not alone. God is with us. People are with you. And God will be faithful. And we will get through it. And he will be victorious out of it. So maybe tonight you're going through a struggle. Maybe you're going through the suffering part. Maybe you're in a place where you feel like you're just standing all by yourself and nobody knows. Would you take a moment and reject that lie and just talk to God and say, God, thank you for I know I'm not alone. There are people with me, people who care, people who are able to help. God, we look forward to that day. Lord, tonight we just thank you for putting in perspective to us life. You've called us out of darkness. You've called us to your light. Lord, help us to realize where our loyalty lies and where our citizenship is and that we live according to your word. Constantly, consistently, day after day after day. And we are willing to enter into the conflict that's going on between God and Satan. And we are willing to stay faithful, to hold on to our faith, to know that one day we will be saved and that you will take us no matter what we go through while we're here and you will help us and grow us and mature us and use us for your glory. Thank you for the hope that we have and the life that we get to live tonight as we go to live it now. In thy name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.